Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Twenty twenty, oh my! What a year, huh? How many people can uh, resonate with what you saw on that screen? I wish I could start this year over. I mean, it, it's been something else. And I think back to um, for the last couple of years—not this year, but for the last couple of years. Each year, I would begin with this theme, and that is: this is going to be the best year ever. And the first year I did that, it was a phenomenal year, but you know what? There was one of the worst things that I ever experienced during that year. So the next year I started again, and guess what my theme was? Best year ever. And guess what? It was another great year, but I also experienced another great low. And that happened four years in a row. And so, you know what? I'm not the, the, the smartest guy in the room. And I'm certainly not the fastest guy in the room, but I, but I figured out, you know what, maybe, just maybe this year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that off to the side. But then 2020 happens. So today, what I want to do is I want to share with you seven verses, I want to share with you three screenshots, and I want to share with you one call to action as we experience halftime in 2020. Just on July 2nd, we reached the halfway mark of the year 2020. Now, some of you, that may be exciting. Some of you, that may be, oh, no. You know, it's just like the roller coaster just got to the top, and it's about to be released. I came across this, uh, this quote by Bob Goff. Bob Goff wrote a book called Love Does, one of my favorite books, and this quote says, in God's economy, nothing is ever wasted. And I'm here to witness to you that each of those years that I saw the best year ever, that I claimed the best year ever, and that I reached the lowest point ever, God did not waste that experience. And he says, not our pain, not our disappointments, not our setbacks. These are tools that can be used later in the recipe for our best work, our best life, our best year. And then he finishes with this, quit throwing the batter away. You know, now, I, I kind of think about bananas when I think about this subject. And that is, you know, um, I mean, you've seen it. You, you, every one of us, if you like bananas, there's a certain way that you like your bananas. Some of you like it to be just at the end of the green stage. Some of you, you know what, you need a little more time. You need some more yellowing. You need some softening up of the banana. But at some point, you have probably experienced this where uh, you buy a bunch of bananas, you sit them on the counter in your kitchen, and nobody eats them. And then eventually they start turning brown, and eventually they're just completely brown. Right now, on our kitchen counter, there are five bananas that look just like that. But you know what? I don't get discouraged anymore when I see those bananas. You know why? Because I know what's going to happen. I know that those bananas are going to get put into the freezer. And then I know at some point, 
I'm going to come home from work. I'm going to wake up one Saturday morning and I'm going to smell those bananas. It's going to be in banana bread. It's going to be in banana muffins. And you know what? Unfortunately, many of you walked in this morning and you feel like one of them bananas. You feel like 2020, you are bruised, you are beyond repair, that God cannot use you, that God has finished with you. Matter of fact, you probably wonder, is God really up there? And here's what I want you to know. I want you to go back to January. When almost all of us universally were looking and we were trying to find three things. We were trying to find our identity, we were trying to find our purpose, and we were trying to find our destiny. And in January, we were excited about this. We, we were excited about who we could be. We were excited about what God was going to do in our lives in 2020. We were excited about the impact that our life was going to have on those around us. And yet here at halftime, we're looking back and we're wondering, hey, score ain't looking so good out there. What happened? And somehow we lost it along the way. We lost our identity. We lost our purpose. We lost our destiny. Well, you're not alone. If you would open up your Bibles to the book of Jonah in chapter 3. The book of Jonah in chapter 3. I want to introduce you to a man who, who knew his identity, who knew his purpose, and who knew his destiny, and yet he failed miserably. You see, uh, Jonah's identity was that of a prophet of God. The first time that God spoke to him and told him to go to Nineveh, that wasn't the first time he got identified as a prophet. God had spoken to him, he had prophesied, and God's word came true. The people knew Jonah as a prophet of God. His identity was solid and secure. But now he had a new purpose. And the purpose was that he was supposed to go to Nineveh and speak the word of the Lord. And let me just tell you, Jonah got scared. Jonah thought, you know what? I'm going to speak the word of the Lord and they're going to kill me. And he convinced himself it was better running from God than doing what God said and dying. And then here in verse 1 of chapter 3 it reads this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Let me tell you about his destiny right now. Jonah was fish vomit. I think he's still on the sand when the word of the Lord came to him the second time. A lot of people ask this question. Maybe you're one. And that's, what if? What if he still didn't go to Nineveh? What then? Well, here's what I think would have happened. He would have gone on another boat he would have gone through another storm and there would have been another fish. And then he would have prayed and he would end up fish bombing on the shore again. You know, a lot of times we talk about uh, God being a God of second chances and I don't believe that. I believe that our God 
is a God of another chance. Because if you're like me, I'm so far beyond second chances. I'm beyond the third one. I'm beyond the seventh one. I'm beyond the 35th one. And that's just 2020. And here's what he said in verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Let, let me just share with you, there's a, something, when it comes to Jonah's identity, it didn't change. He was still the prophet of God, even though he ran from God. Even though God had to get his attention through that of a fish. And his purpose was still the same. His purpose was to go to Nineveh and preach the word of the Lord. But his destiny was no longer that of fish vomit. His destiny had a massive change. His destiny is going to be different this time. Why? Because in verse 3 it says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now what did he tell the city of Nineveh? He said that in 40 days this city is going to be destroyed because of your evil works. Now, if you go to verse 10, here's what happened. And when God saw what they did, the people of Nineveh, how that they had turned from their evil way. Why did they turn from their evil way? Because the prophet of God proclaimed the word of God. And they believed God. And I just want to share with you right now in our country... There is evil that most of us in this worship center don't believe can be happening. There is evil around us here in Centralia, in the state of Illinois, in the United States of America. And we in the church have wrapped ourselves around the axle over whether or not you should wear a mask or not wear a mask. Over whether or not um, you can read your Bible and, with, like this or if you can pull it out on your phone whether or not we can sing choruses or we have to sing hymns. That's what we in the church have got stuck on. And there's evil right outside our door. And I promise you, God is not worried about those little minuscule things. He's worried about the evil that's in our city, in our state, in our country. Matter of fact, in Revelations 2, when Jesus is speaking to the church of Thyatira, he talks about the deep things of Satan. And make no mistake about it, what you see going on in our country, what you see going on when you sit down with your family members and are at each other's throats, is the deep works of Satan. The rest of verse 10 says this, And God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And God did not do it. Now, if you go back and you read those verses between 4 and 9, what you will see is that God, he, what was the disaster? He was going to destroy that city. But I, I don't believe that God was worried about the king. I don't believe that God was worried about the rulers. I don't believe that God was worried about the moms and the dads. You know what God was worried about? He says it in verse 10, at the end of the chapter. He says that there was 120,000 children who didn't know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. That would have been the disaster. 
Because those moms and dads, those rulers, that king, they knew better. They knew what they were doing, but yet these children, they didn't. And all across America right now, it's the children. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Don't hinder them to be brought to me. It would be better if a millstone was hung around that person's neck and they were cast into the sea. And yet the church was silent for so many years and abortion, the demand grew. And today no one is shocked that governors will go out and say, you know what, I think it's okay for us to kill a baby after it's born. That's evil. That's the evil that it's talking about. And we as Christians allowed our faith to be frozen when somebody said, well, when does life begin? Well, I don't think that we're going to argue about that when a baby's born. But yet here we are in a country that is doing that. So what are we supposed to do? Well, let me read to you a verse in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, 17 says this, For it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. Now, I know many of you want to quote the verse, though, probably the most often quoted verse by non-Christians. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, I want you to understand what that verse really says. It doesn't say don't judge. It says don't judge unless you expect to get that same judgment back. See, we all judge daily. You don't get through the day. You don't get your first cup of coffee and judgment's starting to happen. But here's the reality. With what judgment you judge, that's what you're going to receive. So if you're a merciful judge, you're going to receive mercy. If you're a tyrannical judge, you're going to receive tyranny. If you're a judge that is able to forgive and build up, you're going to receive that. If you're a judge that tears down and destroys, that's the kind of judgment you're going to receive. But 1 Peter 4, 17 has something even more. It says, the time for judgment should begin at the house of God. We, do we ask the question, how in the world could America be doing what it's doing to children? The answer is because of the house of God. We've allowed it. We sat silently by. And it goes on, it says, and if it begins with us. Now here, here's what's interesting. A lot of times you'll read this verse. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And we think about it this way, just like good Christians do. We think about it that, well, if, if we're going to be judged, just think how much worse the judgment's going to be on those that don't. And, and here's the reality. There is nothing any of us could do to get into heaven except accept the gift that Jesus Christ gave to us and that was his own life and the proof of the pudding was that God raised him back from the dead three days later that's what makes Christianity different than any other religion so here's what we have to ask ourselves is if judgment begins at the house of God what happens to those outside of the house that don't accept the gospel there's only one answer They'll spend eternity in hell. They will spend eternity separated from their creator. 
and they don't have to. I remember literally, probably the week that I'm supposed to go over to Afghanistan, our, our uh, living room was just filled with all of the, the bags that I was putting together. And I remember my dad telling me, 60 years old, he said, son, if I could do this for you, I would. And he would. And if you asked any man or woman who served in Vietnam, who served in Afghanistan or Iraq, why'd you do that? They will tell you, I did that so that my son and my daughters won't have to. That's our hope. So when we, we talk about the destiny of us as Christians, as Christ followers, the destiny is the second part of that verse. What's going to happen to those who do not obey the gospel of God? You know, um, why doesn't when we get saved, God just miraculously take us out of here? You know the answer. He's not done with us. He's got a mission for us. And our mission is that we spread the gospel. And when we spread the gospel, it's through that effort that many will one day be in heaven with us. God is using you. God is using me to be that witness. You know, this quote has almost become a cliche, and that is that the only Bible some people will ever read is you or I, as Christ followers. It's a scary proposition, isn't it? Well, let me read another verse to you in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 23, and it says this. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let me read that again. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now the person who this is being spoken to by the prophet Samuel is King Saul. King Saul had his identity as the king of Israel. King Saul had his purpose and that was to follow the word of the Lord, but he changed it. And instead, he decided he was going to please the people. And because of those actions, his destiny became this. He was rejected. In one hand, he lifted up this self-righteous fist, claiming that he was doing exactly what God had told him to do. And then the, the prophet Samuel says, what is that I hear in the background? What is that, the sheep and the goats? And he's got his hands caught in the cookie jar of sin of disobeying God. And that's where this powerful verse, for rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And then Samuel finishes that thought up and he says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. You know, I think it's, it, it's a sad indictment that many of us as Christians, we put ourselves into King Saul's position we think about that banana and that bruised and that we're of no good and we can't be used anymore and we tell ourselves that just like Saul got the word that he was rejected from doing what God had called him to do we've convinced ourselves that we've been rejected but I'm here to tell you that if you're here this morning if you're watching God has not quit his Holy Spirit has not stopped trying to reach your heart Because when that day comes, you'll never think about things like this. 
when that day comes, you're not worried about what you started 2020 off like and how you're finishing it. When that day comes, you're not going to worry about your destiny and how it's going to impact those around you. Another screenshot that I wanted to, to, to show you was because I think that a lot of times we, we want to quit on God. And so I, I found this uh, timeline po popped up with a conversation between me and my daughter-in-law. And I'd asked her to read the book. She'd asked for a, a, a book recommendations, and I said, Love Does by Bob Goff, the guy who I quoted at the very beginning. And so she read the book and asked for another one. And, and so I asked, what did you think about that? And what was your favorite part of it? And so she shared the, the story. I mean, you can see it there. Some of the stories were so incredible. I thought for a minute it was fiction. I especially liked the story of the time he sat outside the dean's office after not getting into law school. And he did this for almost 10 days. Every day he showed up. And how that he said, sometimes we're quick to think that God is closing the door when in reality he may just want us to try a little bit harder. And I'm here to tell you this morning when it comes to 2020, when it comes to what God has called you, your identity, your purpose, and your destiny, that God has not shut the door on you. God has not thrown you out. He may have just put you in the freezer for a little bit, and He's waiting for a time to bring you out so that the whole house will smell great because He's using you. The children of Israel were so guilty of this. How many times through the life of this nation did they, they uh, find themselves in dire circumstances and God came in and God answered their prayer and God was there. And then they find themselves in uh, dire circumstances again when they walked away from God and yet God was there. You know, in the 40 years, I, I, I had heard a song by a guy by the name of Bobby Michaels and it says, take another lap around Mount Sinai. And the whole concept there was this, that the children of Israel, they didn't learn their lesson, they didn't sit down for the test, and they're just like us, where God has brought challenges in your life. God has brought, he's allowed the wheels of life to fall off. God has allowed you to question your calling, but he has not changed your identity. He's allowed you to question, what is your purpose? The number one question that everyone has across the world. Second most best-selling book, Purpose Driven Life. Second only to the Bible. Why? Because we want to know. And when we don't absolutely know, we, you know, we tell ourselves, if God would just show up at the end of the bed and tell me what he wants me to do, you know what you would do? You would get on a boat, you would run, if he showed you what he really needed you to do. And you would be fish vomit. And we convince ourselves if that would happen, then I would just know. Let me read you one more verse, and it's first, or Second Chronicles 7, 14. It's a verse that many of the churches that I grew up in, it was up on the wall. Second Chronicles 7, 14, it says this, If my people who are called by my name. And I want you to listen. In this verse, you're going to see an identity, you're going to see a purpose, and you're going to see a destiny. And I want to share with you that the most important identity that you could possibly ever adopt is the one that's being asked right here. You see, um, I've got a couple different identities. I'm Pops. I love being Pops. I love it when those young grandsons run up and grab onto me or ask, can I sit on your shoulders? I've also got an identity as a brother. I've 
I've got an identity as a husband. I've got an identity as a pastor, as a friend. But none of those identities mean as much as this identity. And that is my identity in Christ. And 2 Chronicles 7.14 tells us this. If my people who are called by my name, we call ourselves followers of Christ. We take that name of Christian and we put it upon ourselves. Even though we know we never live up to it. I saw another picture this week. And it was a parade going on and there was this sign that said, going to hell and proud. And if that's not enough, they were all wearing shirts that said the exact same message. You know, church, it's easy for us to look at that person and we think, how dare you? Don't you know what Jesus Christ did for you? But I think the way that we should be looking at that is that somebody's daughter? That's somebody's niece. That is somebody's sister. One day that's going to be someone's mom. That's someone's friend. That's someone's co-worker. You run across them every day. People who are proud in their rejection of God. And I just want to share with you that 2 Chronicles 7.14 is not written to that group. It's written to those who claim the name of Christ. And it goes on to say this. If they will humble themselves. Now, I don't know if you all remember this, but there's something that I have been just regurgitating over and over again to you. And it's the four core competencies of Christianity. If we would practice these four core competencies, our walk with Christ would be better than you've ever experienced. I've said this dozens of times. Many of you have already forgotten it. The four core competencies are this, is that we confess our sins regularly. That's what it's saying right there, humble themselves. It's not just talking about a posture, it's talking about confessing and admitting where we're wrong, and where we fall short. And pray, that's the next core competency, ask. So many of us fail. I, I, the Lord has convicted me of this over the last two weeks. I'm a prayer warrior, and I know that I have not been praying enough. I, I was so excited last year to, to bring you a stack of cards of people in the church that I've been praying for and praying with. And yet during this time that we have not met as a church, those cards have not been coming in. And that was the reason, well, I don't have any cards to pray for. And so instead, what I did was I pulled out our roster of people who've been at the church, and now I just scroll through that, and I'm praying for you. This morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, I was up. I was going through these pews right here praying for you. Most of you, it was easy to identify because you sit in the same place all the time. I'm praying for those that are at home watching right now. I'm praying for those who can't get out of their homes because of health. I'm praying for Pastor Lee who's recovering from surgery. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people which are called by name will humble themselves, confess our sins regularly, 
pray. And then the third core competency is to seek my face. How do we seek God's face? We seek God's face through his word. You want God to speak to you? He's speaking right here. You just got to open it up. You just got to read it. And I want to encourage you, if you are here this morning and you don't own a copy of God's word right now in front of everyone here are copies of God's word. And you open it up, it'll tell you that if you don't own a copy of God's word, we want you to take this. Make this your own. Because everybody needs to hear from God. And the only way that you're going to hear from God is to get into his word. Yes, it's great to come. It's, it's great to listen to messages. But it's greater for you to speak one-on-one with God. And then the fourth thing, and turn from their wicked ways. The fourth core competency is to live it. Are we living what God has called us to do? What God has shown us in his word? What God has impressed in our prayer time? Jesus said it this way, have we taken up our cross? Oh, it's easy to say, yeah, we've taken up our cross. Our cross is so much more than getting out of bed on Sunday morning and showing up at church. Our cross is so much more than posting Bible verses on our Facebook feed. Our cross is so much more. But here's the promise that God gives us. If we will humble ourselves, if we will confess our sins regularly, if we will pray, you only want to know what the average amount of time Christians spend in prayer. And it's less than a minute a day. And if we will seek God's face through his word, and we will live it, we will turn from our wicked ways. Here's what God promises. He says, then will I hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. That's yours and mine. And I will heal their land. What was the land that God healed for Jonah? It was the city of Nineveh, a great city, a city with more than a million people. What does your city look like? Is it your country, the United States of America, who is being torn apart right now? Is it your state? You know, I'm proud of the state of Illinois. I came here reluctantly. I came here on the call of God. But I'm proud because we had a senator, a state senator that stood up and said that, you know, it's not right that the churches are closed. I am shocked that in the state of Illinois we are able to meet when there are states that were farther along than we are and their churches still aren't opened back up. But I'm here to tell you that that state senator is not going to save our state. And he will tell you what will is when Christians get on their knees and start praying. And they get God's attention and allow God to move. Maybe it's our city. I've gone to many city meetings and I've heard people complain. The most asked question I got when I got here and I introduced myself as the pastor of Temple Baptist Church is, why Centralia? Many of you asked me this. Are you sure? You just don't understand. And then I got stopped by a train three times in one day and I started to understand. (laughs) Maybe your land is your family. Maybe there are people in your family that you know if they stopped breathing today, they'd spend an eternity separated from God. And the question is, what are we doing about it? There's a famous 
song out there. It's titled, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. This song came about because of a Welsh revival in 1904 where many Welshmen were saved and they had the call of God on their life and they became missionaries and many of them went to the country of India. And in one case, one missionary got into a region called Assam and he met a tribesman whose name was Nosing. And Nosing embraced faith in his creator. He believed in Jesus Christ to pay for his sins. And then many of the, his neighbors came to faith in Christ because of his witness. And then one day the chief was upset about this. And so he called Nosing and he pulled his children and he pulled his wife in and he told Nosing, you need to reject this Jesus. And Nosing said, no, I won't do it. I've decided to follow Jesus. He says, if you don't reject it, I will kill your sons and daughters. He says, I'm not going to do that. And he killed his children right there in front of the tribe. He said, no, Singh, are you going to reject Jesus now? He says, I'm not. He says, if you don't, I'm going to kill your wife. He says, even if no one else goes with me, I'm still going to follow Jesus. And he killed his wife. He said, last chance, no, Singh. If you do not reject Jesus, he says, your life is going to be the payment. And he says, I have decided to follow Jesus. You see, so many times that we use that word decided, like I decided to go out and get breakfast this morning. I decided, you fill in the blank. There's many times here in the church we say that we've decided to do something and we never do it. We say that we've decided to follow Jesus. It sounds great when we sing the song, but yet the actions never are there. And the reality is this, ladies and gentlemen, that there is no decision without action. There's thoughts, but there's no decision. Let's just go back through identity. There's a decision each of us need to make today. If you are not a Christ follower, you have never claimed the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it very simply. It said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead by God, you will be saved. Folks, it's that simple. We're so good in the church to make it a lot more complex than that. I'm not going to lead you in a verse or a prayer. You need to, go, if, if you find yourself right now separated from God and you know that if you took your last breath that you would not spend eternity, you need to call out to God. You need to embrace Romans 10, 9 and 10. Maybe there's many of us here that we've made that decision maybe years ago, months ago, and yet we know that we need to recommit the rest of 2020 to being a Christ follower. That if, if, if people were to understand what we've done in the last six months and how that we've wasted this time, this year, and we've blamed it on COVID, we've blamed it on social distancing, we've blamed it on everything except the fact that we didn't get it done. 
let me ask you this. What if it was your prayers, it was your confession, it was your ability to turn from your sin that would change America? Would America get changed? What if it was your, on your shoulders, whether or not the state of Illinois turned and followed Christ? What if it was on your shoulders whether or not your family became followers of Jesus? of 2020 be like the first six months the great news is that you and I worship a God who's a God of another chance and today is the day of another chance you know it's time that Christians take a knee in this case we need to get on both of them and I would encourage you the altar is open today if you have if you realize that, you know what, I started 2020 strong. I was ready. I was ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. I'm not so sure anymore. Now's the time. Now's the chance for us to take action. Now's the chance for us to do something about it. And make no mistake about it, what you do in the next three minutes is not going to determine your destiny. But what you do in the next three minutes is going to determine what you do this afternoon, what you do this evening, probably what you do the rest of this week. I hope you join me in prayer for our country, for our state, for our city, for our families, because we need it right now. Please stand. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.